Our text today is from Mark chapter 11. As they approached Jerusalem, this is Jesus and his disciples, and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Tell them, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing? It's good to know there was a neighborhood watch association in the town at the time. They answered as Jesus had told them to, and believe it or not, they bought it. So when they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. When Mary and I were in Israel a couple weeks ago, we were up on the Mount of Olives, and there was a guy there with a donkey saying, Jesus, taxi. So many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went back out to Bethany with the twelve. So this is Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And it's not just Jesus' triumphal entry. We look at the way that the crowds respond to what's going on. We see that folks have locked into the idea that a, an old, old story is starting to come to pass. Back in Psalm 118, the psalmist says, Give thanks to Yahweh, for He is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, His love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, His love endures forever. Let those who fear Yahweh say, His love endures forever. In my anguish, I cried to the Lord, and He answered by setting me free. Yahweh is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Yahweh is with me. He is my helper. I will look in triumph on my enemies. It's better to take refuge in Yahweh than to trust in man. It's better to take refuge in Yahweh than to trust in princes. All the nations surrounded me, but in the name of Yahweh I cut them off. They surrounded me on every side, but in the name of Yahweh I cut them off. They swarmed around me like bees, but they died out as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of Yahweh I cut them off. I was pushed back and about to fall, but Yahweh helped me. Yahweh is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. Yahweh's right hand has done mighty things. Yahweh's right hand is lifted high. Yahweh's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die but live and will proclaim what Yahweh has done. Yahweh has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. 
Open for me the gates of righteousness. I will enter and give thanks to Yahweh. This is the gate of Yahweh through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. Yahweh has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day Yahweh has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day Yahweh has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. I mean, it's the kind of thing we say on a regular basis, right? This is the day the Lord has made. Let us, I mean, yeah, and so yeah, you can do that every day. But where this is in Psalm 118, the psalmist is talking about the day of Yahweh, the great day when Yahweh is going to come to Zion and sort out his enemies. Opened will be the gates of righteousness. And this, the voice of this person speaking says, I will enter and give thanks to Yahweh. This is the gate of Yahweh through which the righteous may enter. That stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. And who's done this? Yahweh has done this. And it's marvelous in our eyes. This is a psalm of victory. This is a song of Yahweh's victory. This is a song of Yahweh's victory over his enemies. This is a song of Yahweh's victory over his enemies, including death. So when the people on the road see Jesus coming in on the donkey, walking, the donkey walking on the coats and the palms they've spread out for him, and they say, oh, Yahweh, save us. Oh, Yahweh, grant us success. Or, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of Yahweh, from the house of Yahweh, we bless you. Who's the one who comes in the name of Yahweh? That's correct, yes. Usually the answer on Sunday morning is Jesus. Jesus is the one who comes in the name of Yahweh. And from the house of Yahweh, we bless you. What's the house of Yahweh? It's the temple right there in Jerusalem, right there in Zion. Yahweh is coming to his temple, Yahweh is God, and he has made his light shine upon us. So with bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give you thanks. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to Yahweh, for he is good. His love endures forever. The festal procession went all the way up to where? To the horns of the altar. And Jesus went where? He entered Jerusalem, and he went to the temple. That's probably just a coincidence. All of you remember fondly when we went through the book of Ezekiel, especially when we went through Ezekiel's temple vision at the very end, chapters 40 to 48. 
nine chapters that only an architect could love. But one of the exciting parts of that story comes in chapter 43. You remember, I'm sure, fondly, when, from when we did Ezekiel. In chapters 8 through 10, Ezekiel has this vision. The, the Spirit grabs him by the hair and yanks him from Babylon, where he's been in exile, drags him off to Jerusalem, and he has this vision, and he goes and he, he sees the corruption of the temple. He, he looks inside the temple, even inside the walls of the temple, and these secret chambers, the leaders of the nation, the people who are the political and religious leaders of the nation, the folks who should be setting the tone, are there worshiping idols. They're doing detestable, vile things. God says, this is the condition of my house. This is what my people have done. They're supposed to give worship to me alone, and instead they have betrayed me. They are faithless. They are an idolatrous people. And so Ezekiel has this vision of God's glory leaving the temple. You remember that, right? God's glory up and leaves the temple. It exits the temple, and then it departs Jerusalem across the Kidron Valley to the east where the Mount of Olives is, and it leaves. But then chapter 43, in Ezekiel's vision of the restoration of Zion, what does he see? His celestial tour guide brings him back to the gate facing east. Again, to orient you, east of Jerusalem, if Jerusalem's here, Mount of Olives is here to the east. You've got the Kidron Valley in between, right? So east of Jerusalem, Mount of Olives. So when he was brought to the gate facing east, he saw the glory of the God of Israel coming from the east. His voice was like the roar of rushing waters, and the land was radiant with his glory. The vision I saw was like the vision I had seen when he came to destroy the city, and like the visions I had seen by the Kabar River, and I fell face down. The glory of Yahweh entered the temple through the gate facing east. And then the Spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court, and the glory of Yahweh filled the temple. Our Jewish friends believe when Messiah comes that he'll come from the east, from the Mount of Olives, into Jerusalem. We say he already did that. But on the Mount of Olives, the place is covered with graves. Our Jewish friends will pay tens of thousands of dollars to be buried there so that when Messiah comes back, they will be right there where the action is. A friend of mine, when we were on our trip, said his mother said, don't put my money in the ground. When Messiah comes, I'm sure hell will have time to get there. But this idea of a triumphal entry from the east, from the Mount of Olives, into the city, up to the temple complex. This is not geographic coincidence. This is not Jesus saying, well, this east gate is probably as good as any place to come into Jerusalem. No. He comes in from the east because that is where Yahweh comes from when His glory returns and fills the temple. Jesus is in 
this procession enacting something huge. And the details of it are given to us in Zechariah, right toward the end of your Old Testament after Haggai, before Malachi, the Italian prophet, you get Zechariah chapter 9. And again, you know, we, before we get to the colt, the foal of a donkey, but let's look at the rest of what Zechariah is saying. At the beginning of chapter 9, it starts like this. The word of Yahweh is against the land of Hadrach and will rest upon Damascus. For the eyes of men and all the tribes of Israel are on Yahweh and upon Hamath too, which borders upon it, and upon Tyre and Sidon, though they're very skillful. Tyre's built herself a stronghold. She's heaped up silver like dust and gold like the dirt of the streets, but the Lord will take away her possessions and destroy her power on the sea, and she'll be consumed by fire. Ashkelon will see it in fear. Gaza will writhe in agony, and Ekron too, for her hope will wither. Gaza will lose her king, and Ashkelon will be destroyed, deserted. Foreigners will occupy Ashdod, and I will cut off the pride of the Philistines. I'll take the blood from their mouths, the forbidden food from between their teeth, Those who are left will belong to our God and become leaders in Judah, and Ekron will be like the Jebusites. But I will defend my house against marauding forces. Never again will an oppressor overrun my people, for now I am keeping watch. This is the story of a people who are beset. The reason the Uh, The prophet Zechariah is mentioning all of these places is not so that you can be impressed that he knows geography. The the reason he's saying this is is he's talking about the, the, the raging nations, the enemies of God's people all around Israel from every direction that have come against God's people. He's talking about, again, this day of Yahweh when Israel's opponents the enemies of God's people will be defeated, will be sorted out. So rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king comes to you righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He shall speak peace unto the heathen. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. And as for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope, even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. I'll bend Judah as I bend my bow and fill it with Ephraim. I'll rouse your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece, and to make you like a warrior's sword. And then Yahweh will appear over them. His arrow will flash like lightning. The Lord Yahweh will sound the trumpet. He will march in the storms of the south. And Yahweh, the God of angel armies, will shield them. 
They'll destroy and overcome with sling stones. They'll drink and roar as with wine. They'll be full like a bowl used for sprinkling the corners of the altar. Yahweh their God will save them on that day as the flock of his people. They'll sparkle in his land like jewels in a crown. How attractive and beautiful they will be. Grain will make the young men thrive and new wine the young women. It's a story of victory. It's a story of restoration. A story of protection. A story of God granting prosperity. And it happens when the king comes righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And he takes away the chariots from Ephraim, takes away the war horses from Jerusalem. This is a story of God bringing peace. You've got plenty of imagery of God bringing peace by defeating the enemy. But you also have plenty of imagery of God bringing peace simply by the word of his mouth. This language, of course, is evocative of Psalm 46, the last place we'll go back to today. Most of us know this psalm as the inspiration for Luther's hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God's within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. Yahweh, the God of angel armies, is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So come and see the works of Yahweh, the desolation he's brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the war chariots with fire. Does that sound familiar? That's just what we read in Zechariah. But be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. That's a cherished verse for many of us. But in the psalm where we first find it, it's not God patting you on the head and telling you to settle down and know that he loves you. This is God telling the warring, raging nations to stop, to cease fighting against him and against his people. This is God making it clear that he, not they, he will be exalted among the nations. He will be exalted in the earth. For Yahweh, the God of angel armies, is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. In Hebrew, that refrain is Yahweh Tzavaot Imanu Miskavlanu Elohei Yaakov. You may hear that word Imanu 
and that may remind you of a name that you may have heard in a place like this. Emmanuel means God is with us. Imanu is, he is with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. Adonai Tzavaot is with us. Lord of angel armies is with us. Jesus' name, Emmanuel, God is with us. This could all be coincidence, but I think we're supposed to catch something out of this. The peace of God's people, the defeat of their enemies, comes by means of God's presence. And it is the word of his mouth at which kingdoms fall, at which the earth melts. See, this story is one of God sorting out his enemies. And we get this story everywhere in Scripture, really. The truth is, we see time and time again that one way God will sort out his enemies is if they insist upon coming after him, if they insist upon harming his people, if they insist upon harming those who are defenseless, God can certainly exercise his power to defeat them. But the other way that God can sort out his enemies, the way it seems he much prefers to, is by making them his friends. It's up to them. If they insist on remaining his enemies, then he will be an enemy to them. But if they respond to his gracious invitation, that they be his friends, that they get on board with what he is doing rather than rebelling against it, that instead of coming against his people, that they become his people. Well, that's another way that God sorts out his enemies, isn't it? This story we have here in the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday is the story of Yahweh returning to Zion. But as we will see this week, as we look through the story of this last week in Jerusalem and Jesus' passion, Yahweh's return to Zion is not going to roll out the way folks expected to. And it's not going to roll out the way folks want it to. It's not going to roll out the way many folks think it ought to. As usual, God is going to be working out his purposes as he sees fit. He's not terribly interested in our opinion as to how he ought to do it. And so when God works out his purposes as he sees fit, when he demonstrates what he is doing, then we can adjust our thinking. We can start dancing in time with his beat or not. Pray. 
Lord God, we pray that always and everywhere we would be people who are alert and attentive to what you are doing, to the ways in which you are working out your purposes. And I pray that we would be people who embrace your ways rather than rebelling against them. Pray that we would not be the fickle sort who welcome you on Sunday and then cry out for you to be crucified on Thursday. But that we would be your faithful servants. We ask this in the name of our mighty Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.